Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show, continuing our series recapping the rookie seasons of the 2018 first-round quarterbacks. And today is a fun one because we are getting into Baker Mayfield as my co-host Kyle Krabs is on Twitch right now as we do this live recording with a shake-and-bake mug with Baker Mayfield's face on it, and I'm pretty sure he's drinking whiskey out of it. So we're in for a fun show. Kyle, welcome. Thank you, Joe. Uh, you got to tell everybody I'm drinking. Jeez, Luis. We always assume it. I don't know if there's any Right, surprises. just if you see me sipping, you you can assume. Well, I, like, I, yeah. What about the people that are listening to this tomorrow and don't have the video imaging? Which, by the way, you can go to twitch.tv slash the draft network and watch these after the fact if you want to see our interactions. But, of course, only after you listen to the show. Yes, please, please listen. And a lot of people listen to that Josh Allen show from yesterday. Uh, by far, the most ever listened to like episode doubled. of Draft Dude. So, so thank you. Uh, and let's do it again here with Baker Mayfield and have a fun discussion on a fun football player that uh, I think Kyle's just going to dunk on everyone for the next 25 minutes. So here's, here's the assist on Chris Paul. Do your thing. Well, listen, uh, my producer's still pulling up one more thing. I want to pull up his report from last year. You've been doing this for every show, right? You read your report, the summary from your report. Would you like to do that for this year or this episode with Baker Mayfield? Let's do it. I I had a great eval on Baker Mayfield, so I have nothing to hide here. Okay. Go ahead. I'm going to read mine while you pull yours up. Please do. Okay. Summary from my scouting report. Baker Mayfield, first-round grade, number 10 player, on the board for me, Mayfield's accuracy, ability to throw with anticipation, and mobility illustrate the ideal candidate to play in a multifaceted offense that challenges all levels of the field. His well-rounded skill set places no handcuffs on his system at the next level, so pairing him with an offensive coordinator with a creative mindset would be best to take advantage of all that Mayfield offers. His experience and dual-threat ability make him a candidate to start right away in his career. By year three, Mayfield has the upside to become one of the most dynamic passers in the NFL. He will have to overcome suboptimal a suboptimal frame and develop consistency with his decision making to keep an NFL offense on schedule. Uh, I like I like that. You banged him for decision making. Yeah, you know what we got into with this. Sometimes he got greedy. O- Oklahoma offense, there was those scheme throws, and yeah. there were like plenty of times where he said, "No, no, 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 I don't want that." It's getting in there crop. anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm launching it. Okay, and so I, I, if you, ha- you know, look, we're very meticulous evaluators, and it's something that I noticed repeatedly. And I said, "Hey, in the NFL, Mayfield can't not take completions at the expense of, uh, you know, ripping it down the field uh, if he's going to keep things on schedule." So that was like my little minor gripe there. Right, and his quarterback ranking was two. His overall ranking was ten. Okay, so we both had top ten grades on Baker Mayfield. He was QB one for me, sixth overall. Uh, if you did not read 2018 reports for me, my optimal scheme fit and role was much shorter than Joe's. So I do have two position groups pulled up, or position categories pulled up in addition to the scheme fit and role. So my comparison was Russell Wilson. 
Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield fits best in an offense with primarily intermediate routes. This would allow Mayfield's pocket mobility and field vision to gain chunk plays. Running package should be present in sparing situations and will start immediately in the NFL. Uh, Decision-making has truly mastered his offense, uh, systemically been given more on his plate in terms of passing offense throughout his starting career, has gotten less greedy and more selective with big play shots, more content to take what defense is conceding. So this wasn't necessarily something that we saw eye-to-eye with on a one-to-one. Understand zone and man coverage in the post app. Poise. This is the dividing factor for me for Baker Mayfield. One of the most clutch passers in recent memory. Key game situation and down and distances consistently bring out the best in him. Will stand in the pocket and stare down pass rushers in order to pull the trigger. Owns the field with personality and composure. True team leader by example. Well, Everything sorry. sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds good to me. Got this one right there, Kyle. So um, I, I don't think when you cross-reference who Baker was this year versus what we expected to get out of Baker Mayfield. Either one of us can say that we're disappointed. Obviously, the guy set the rookie touchdown record, 27 touchdown passes this year. Uh, Do you have any particular instances or plays of Baker's that you feel like encapsulated him as a player or you thought whether it was ups or downs kind of summarized his rookie season? I'm not sure I would... I would give it one play. I think, I mean, right off the bat, right when Tyrod goes down, and that is it. Was it the Jets game? The Jets game. Yeah, yep. when he stepped when he stepped in, and you saw what this offense looked like with Tyrod Taylor at the helm, with Hugh Jackson, you know, facilitating things, and then you saw how different it looked immediately with Baker Mayfield, and I kind of like that he came in to replace Tyrod because you kind of had that apples to apples situation, same right. offense. Same defense going up against him. And the way that he ignited that offense, the way that he led that victory, come from behind big, big moments, his first NFL action to get that win for Cleveland for the first time in what was it, like 19 games or more than that, like a million games in a row, it lets you know that this guy is it. He's the guy. He's the one. He's the franchise savior that Cleveland's wanted forever. And and that's the moment – and then it just kind of continued throughout the course of the season. Right. Uh, 201 yards in just over a half against the Jets in a game that Cleveland had nothing going for him. He led that two-minute drive just before halftime to get points and really kind of got some positive momentum started for the team. The play, the throw that stands out to me is the touchdown pass against the Carolina Panthers. That 51-yard throw moving to his left to Jarvis Landry that just defied physics. Really. I mean, honestly, he, he vacated his platform, moves to his left, is under pressure while he throws the ball and just laces this football 51 yards down the field into Jarvis Landry's hands through. I think it was there were a total of three defenders in the vicinity on the play. And it showed you know, all of the lazy analysis. One of the things that we talked about yesterday on the Josh Allen pod was the things that bothered us about Josh was the narratives, not necessarily himself as a player. Well, the narratives around Baker was he's tiny, so he doesn't have a good arm. He doesn't have a great arm. He's a a poor teammate and decision maker because he had a run in with the cops. And he's Johnny Manziel because he had off the field problems. And that one really bothered me. But the throw against Carolina is like, 
this guy's moving away from throwing the ball and still puts the heat on the ball. He has to work more than other guys to push the ball down the field, but that doesn't mean that the arm doesn't have the ability to make it happen. And I think you saw that a lot of times. But turnovers with Baker were something that needs to be accounted for, right? He had two games this year, which he threw three interceptions. Um, the loss to Houston and the loss to Baltimore. The Houston loss, I believe, all three picks were in the first half. Mm-hmm. It got ugly. And then the Baltimore loss to end the season. Uh, one of those turnovers was at the very end of the game trying to make something happen. But um, I would give you credit for what you had said about you know, getting a little greedy to sometimes. And uh, I, I think Baker's season in general was everything I dreamed it could have been. But uh, I'm really excited about the potential. That Panthers throw you reference is so interesting because yeah. by all indication, that's a really bad decision. Right. <laughs> the yeah. result. Now, the result is not anything that we're going to argue about, but that the, that was that was that worked out for him. The ball's um, the only place it could have been, too, though. That's the crazy thing. Right. Right. Um, I thought he was just so consistent. I thought maybe he hit a lull there a little bit in the middle of the season. But by, by and large, Baker Mayfield was consistently the best rookie quarterback this season. And I don't think there's yeah. much to argue there. And, and I really like that he he continued to get better. He continued to perform at a high level. There became more and more tape. That's one thing that we got to get nervous about a little bit with some of these guys is, all right, there's tape. People know how to defend you now. People know what you like to do. Your tendencies are becoming more clear. And you still go out and continue to have – you know, some of your best games, his best game, Carolina, week 14, in my opinion, throughout in the season after he started 12 games or however many games at that right. point. So love the continued consistency. And uh, the Browns got their guy. I mean, it's that simple. So what we've been doing in this series is we've talked about who the player was before coming out in our opinions, what we saw on the field. And we kind of turned our eyes towards how you help get the most of him and, and set him up for success going forward. Joe, you and I talked in the pre-show specifically about the free agents on this team. They don't have a lot to worry about. No. They're going to let Tyrod Taylor walk. That's fine. Uh, Greg Robinson, left tackle, who came in and suddenly had a career resurgence in Cleveland. <laughs> right. Which weird. That? Like The guy bounced all around, was a total bust for the Rams, <laughs> and he played pretty good down the stretch. Yeah. And uh, he he is a uh, – undra- or. A, Unrestricted free agent, 26 years old. Uh, his contract value this year was $790,000. I'd imagine he's going to cost a little more than that to bring back. But I think you absolutely bring back Greg Robinson. That's a must for, for me if I'm the Cleveland Browns. Continuity right now and then competition on top of that is really important. And then, Joe, you had mentioned two receiver names if you want to bring them to the table. Two more young guys. Yeah, uh, two more young in terms of free agents for this team. Yes. Yeah, they had well, Streeter, Perriman, and Higgins are all free agents. I'm not sure any of those guys are really a priority uh, to resign. Perriman's any. played good though. Yeah, he he was fun, right? Yeah, I think if you can get him as like kind of a, a gadget X Factor guy to do a lot of different things with, I think that's nice. It, it adds an additional layer there. But uh, you know, I I think we'll get into maybe some specifics here about the wide receiver, but. I don't want to move on before we do talk about the quarterback room outside of Baker Mayfield, because right now you, Tyrod Taylor is a free agent and he's not a player that should be brought back. But I will say this about Tyrod Taylor. That's a pro's pro. 
That's a guy that knows how to prepare. He works his ass off. People talk about his intangibles. I followed him very closely in Buffalo for his tenure, and and you saw Hugh Jackson fall in love with him, and and, and just he's that consummate pro. I think it really matters having a a stabilizing presence like that in the locker room. Now, they do still have Drew Stanton in the mix, and I think that's a really good, another high intangibles guy, guy that's prepared before, guy that's seen a lot of football that can really help uh, continue to to develop Baker Mayfield. But let's let's not – oversight maybe the importance of getting a, another veteran or and making sure that he's he's got experienced leadership with him in that quarterback room yeah um we got a couple uh comments of feedback that that higgins should be a, a player that's prioritized as well and i don't necessarily disagree with that i like hollywood higgins coming out of Col- uh, colorado state and uh, it seemed like those guys even go back to hard knocks they had some chemistry, those two. So by all means, you do not want your death chart next year to read the top four receivers, Jarvis Landry, Callaway, Rashard Higgins, and Brashad Perryman. But you could do a lot worse than bringing both of those guys back, especially when you consider the financials on both those guys probably isn't going to be too crazy. Um, when you look, Joe, at the coaching situation, that the Cleveland Browns have. This was something that I was asked a couple weeks ago, but I want to give you the floor first. Uh, I was asked this on a Syracuse-based radio show. Uh, what coach do you feel would be the best fit for building the Cleveland Browns with who he is, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and where this roster can potentially go? I like Kitchens, Kyle. I think that Baker's a unique football player. And I have a thought that John Dorsey's going to go with an experienced coach. And that's okay. But I liked the rapport that I thought him and Kitchens really developed throughout the course of the season. And I like how he allowed Baker to be maker and had a, Baker to be Baker. And he had a lot of those creative elements in that offense. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know if he's necessarily a slam dunk candidate elsewhere, but I think that he would be really valuable to this team and especially for Baker. So if we're going to think about Baker as the reason for, you know, the number one priority for what we're looking for in this head coach, I kind of want to see that, that, uh, that relationship continue to be cultivated. Dude, can we talk about the touch pass play action that they broke out? Did you see that one? Mm-hmm. Toss the ball straight up in the air to himself. I've never seen that before. No, never, never. And it, it absolutely yeah. froze those linebackers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like shovel pass, right? Like, no, yeah. no, okay, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> that was an amazing play. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, every game there was wrinkles every single time, and and I don't want to disrupt that right now, especially if you talk about like a Bruce Arians. I love Bruce Arians, but you really want to see Baker five seven step drops all the time. Vertical no, I don't pass. think that's. A, I don't think that's a good fit. But that's. I mean. That's on the table potentially. So, what about Mike McCarthy? I'm okay. I'm okay with that. What head coach candidate do you think allows Cleveland to retain Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator? Besides Greg Williams. Well, I think if you if you hire an offensive coach like Mike McCarthy, you ruin the risk. You run the risk of okay. of losing wow. Kitchens. So you you I mean you better you'd be better off just getting a defensive minded head coach. That's going to say, okay, Freddie, here's your offense. Do your thing. We're going to, you know, I'll be the CEO and focus on the defense. Now, hold on. My my producer 
is going to pull up the Browns coaching rumors right now. I want to know who they have interviews scheduled with. And I don't want to get it wrong. Can't be as bad as what Cincy's looking at. Yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, apparently they are out on Adam Gase, though. They want him or they don't? No, they're, they're out. out. They're okay, out. good. That's good. Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry flexed on him a little bit. Oh, yeah, can't have that. Um, can't seem to find the list. It's okay. I, I do know they're interviewing Dan Campbell, big Dan Campbell. That's your guy. That's kind of a deliberator guy, right? He's the kind of guy that I could see coming in because he doesn't have in New Orleans. Um, who, who realistically is Dan Can- Campbell going to tap into create a coaching staff? I think he's the, the kind of coach that you could have as a guy who understands he needs to deliberate. And I think that might be your best chance for an outside source to come in and give the Cleveland Browns some continuity with Freddie Kitchens. But uh, I don't know. I, I have a hard time endorsing the prospect of Freddie Kitchens being named the head coach of the team because now you're asking the CEO of the entire team. That's a hard sell for me. So you think the priority is getting a defensive-minded head coach that will keep Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think so. Right. I think well, that's, that's, that's what I personally would, would trend towards. Name names, Kyle. Jim Schwartz, Greg Williams. What are we doing here? Vic Fangio? Vic Fangio stands out. Dude, even a special teams guy. Darren Rizzi? Dude's gotten like six interviews. I think what's going to be important, Kyle, for for the Browns, more probably more so than the right offense for Baker is a guy that's going to be able to maintain this locker room because I do right. see this this team already having a lot of personality. Jarvis Landry, Baker yeah. Mayfield, uh, Julie, uh, Jabril Peppers, a lot of guys that are just have have a lot of spunk to them. And I'm not I get fearful of that Jaguar situation where you have all these talented right. players, all these egos, and right. you don't have the right guy that has the right culture in place and the right amount of accountability to to make sure that everyone's in check and everyone's buying in. And, uh, you know, you, go ahead. This is why we do this on Twitch. The listeners have reminded me of Chris Richards. I knew I was forgetting someone. Chris Richard, the DB's coach in Dallas, off the Pete Carroll coaching tree. I think his demeanor and, and reputation and, being a defensive-minded coach, I think those things are very attractive for Cleveland. They are, and I think Seattle was on the brink, though, of a Jacksonville situation. Honestly, I really do believe that. Oh, they got ahead of- I, I think Pete Pete let things get a little too far out of hand. He did. He did. And, you know, I, maybe Chris Richards learned from that. I don't know. But seems like you have an interesting take on this. You're thinking the defensive-minded guy to keep Freddie Kitchens. Listen, uh, there's a, you see a lot of guys that are really successful play callers that are then promoted to be the head coach and call plays subsequently, and it's too much. Yeah, and it's a no. lot on him. He's a younger guy, too. So You know, it's you see it's just like coaches that come in and they ask for personnel control and call plays. And, you know, have a guy that understands that his strength is in the unity of his entire coaching staff. And don't try and do too much and be the, the micromanager that's responsible for A, B, C, and D. So Freddie Kitchens has great rapport with Baker Mayfield. Great. Keep Freddie Kitchens. Don't bring in a coach that's going to compromise that. That's my two cents. I'm with you. I'm All with right. You. Uh, how about the draft? How about free agency? Any names stand out to you that you think Cleveland should be prioritizing on any front? 
Yeah, I want to. I want to see more weapons, Kyle. I mean, obviously, I like the backfield. Really exciting. I like Njoku at tight end, but right now this receiving core is basically uh, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. Well, at tight end. Who who are the other? I mean, I think we need to get more. We need more weapons in the passing game. Uh, I like separation guys for Baker. I like a guy like Hollywood Brown. I love a guy like Riley Ridley. Okay. Obviously, DK Metcalf, but right. I don't think he's going to make it to 17 wherever no. the Browns are. Picking, no. So. I don't know. I like I like Nikhil Harry a lot for that offense. Oh, yeah. He's a three-level threat for sure. Yeah. But yeah. he's, not a, he's not a true separator. So people hear you say, I like separation guys. And then I mention Nikhil Harry. And Cleveland, I know Cleveland fans, fans themselves are very conflicted because in my mock draft, I gave him Nikhil Harry. And they're like, hmm. They didn't want nah. Riley Ridley in mine either. So. Yeah, I know. Well, they said tarred and feathered, right? We're tarred and feathered if we give the Browns a wide receiver in the first round. And I do think John Dorsey and his trends do need to be considered here because sure. it is is something that uh, kind of like flies in the face of that. How about free agency? Uh, we have somebody in the, the comments uh, saying Tyrell Williams. What do you think of Tyrell Williams potentially as an ad for Cleveland? See, we've had, we've mentioned Tyrell Williams with every every show, right? right? And so that's the be thing. A commodity, yeah. Well, that's the thing with with these all of these rookie quarterbacks. It's not going to be any different when we talk about Lamar Jackson tomorrow. We got to get weapons, and so we're all competing for the same players, and we all have a lot of cap space. So, do you want to give Tyrell Williams thirteen, fourteen a season? Because that's what it's going to take to get him. Because he has so many suitors. He's the big name. He's the hot ticket. He's got the size and the speed. So, I got one. Tyrell. What you got? John Brown? No. It's a name we have not mentioned yet. Dante Moncrief is on the market. It's a guy that has a little bit of size. Pretty good functional athlete. Dude uh, played this year in Jacksonville, and uh, I believe he put up like 800 yards, which is incredible when you consider he was Blake Bortles and uh, Cody Kessler doing the deed for him. Uh, I'm sorry, 668 yards this year. On uh, 48 receptions, so average about 14 yards a catch. He's an interesting one for me, you know, especially if you can't retain Brashad Perryman. If somebody else wants to go out and, and get aggressive for Brashad Perryman, uh, I think they've got options and avenues across all different kinds of archetypes. You know, your your size guys, your speed guys, uh, whether it's Tyrell Williams or Dante Moncrief, free agency. Uh, I like that. I think Cleveland should be well advised to go out and potentially target one. And then if John Dorsey doesn't feel comfortable with the first round wide receiver, see what's there around pick 50. Yeah. I like the depth of this receiver class. So that could be an option. One thing I want to mention here is Antonio Callaway's a player that made some plays for them, but yeah. he's not, he doesn't preclude me from anything. I don't think to myself, well, we've got Antonio Callaway. We don't need to get player X because we have Antonio Callaway. Antonio right. Callaway is a guy that needs to be continually pushed have competition and make sure that he knows that his his job is never secure because there are questions on top of questions with that guy. And can you trust him off the field? Dude no. had red flags all over the place in Florida. Uh, I think after didn't he get pulled over like after he got drafted in Cleveland yeah. already? Yeah. Like yeah. player like that, it's can you protect him from himself and have him keep his head on straight. So Callaway had some drops in the first half of the year. I believe he cleaned it up. I don't think he had a drop in his last 30 targets on the season, something along those lines. He had five on the uh, drops. He had six on – yeah, none in the last half. He did clean that up. Yeah. He did a great yep. job, yeah. 
So uh, that, that he does deserve a cat cap tip for that. But as you said, and uh, what I've said over the course of the last couple weeks of this show, don't let good players prevent you from drafting or acquiring great players. Sure. So you got Antonio Callaway in the fourth round last year. Great. Like, get real excited about that. But at the same time, that should not preclude you from adding more talent to that receiver room for Baker. No. So I think, look, and, and then it does, we do have to, we talked about Greg Robinson and bringing him back. Yeah. And I think, I think they need to figure something out there. I like the rest of this group. The rest of this group is really good, but then you also have Austin Corbett, a guy that both you and I were very high on coming out that we think has starter upside. And maybe he didn't necessarily earn a job, but I think it was a little bit of a fish out of water situation with trying him at left tackle and Joe Batonio coming back into the fray here. But, uh, you know, I think we got to figure something out here at left tackle. If, if that is bringing back Greg Robinson, I don't think you throw a ton of money at him, but we got to get a left tackle. Right. I'm not, I'm not putting Desmond Harrison back out there. Right. Well, and listen for Corbett, you know, I want to give Corbett the benefit of the doubt because they were going to play him at tackle and then they were going to play him at guard and move Petonio to tackle. And then they moved Petonio back to tackle and move Corbett back out to have a competition with Desmond Harris. Like just like everything else, Hughes screwed it up had a rookie come in that was facing and was training to transition from tackle to guard. And then you put him back to tackle and you moved him to guard again. Then you moved him back to tackle in a span of six months. Hate it. Mm, gee, I wonder why he didn't stick in his first year. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, you got to come from Nevada to the NFL. Oh, by the way, we're going to keep shuffling you around in your first NFL reps. I mean, yeah. it, that's a disaster. That's a disservice to him. Yeah. So, and I think that's something that if you're a Cleveland fan, don't get discouraged by Austin Corbett because the tape was great. The tape was really, really good. So I think you do have a player there, and I absolutely agree with you. I'm leaving Corbett on the inside, and then I'm bringing in additional competition as well as bringing back Greg Robinson, provided he's not asking for like $8 million a year. Now, if he asks for a couple mil, sign me up. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think he's in the position to make demands. I mean, he's going to want to capitalize on his real – I mean, he, he right, got he's got game, a market right? now. He was a friggin' yeah. top three pick. He's got money, right? Yeah. But I don't think that he's warranted a big, big investment – uh, you know what wide receiver I'm just thinking in my head uh, that is not necessarily a, a top target, but a guy that I think can play in the league is uh, uh, K.J. Hill from Ohio State. Yeah, I think all the Ohio State kids have you know, some upside to them. Right, in, in this offense specifically, or w- yeah. with Baker. We don't know what the offense is, but I love Paris Campbell. A lot of ability after the catch. He gives you that size, uh, you know, that dynamic. He can be maybe everything that you got from Bashad Perriman. Uh, and then KJ Hill, who I think is really smooth. I think he's got great hands. So I can see kind of maybe fill that role as a Z in this offense and, and giving Baker a guy that uh, really, I think he's good after the catch, but I think he's so smooth and he's so consistent at the catch point. A couple guys, maybe if we don't think in the first round, second, third, fourth round, they, we can get some weapons to, uh, to build this thing around Baker. Right. Um, all right. As we sign off right now, Give me one player you absolutely have to from the 2019 NFL draft class pair with the Cleveland Browns. I absolutely have to. Yeah, you want, you need it. You know what? Uh, Ed Oliver. <laughs> Hollywood Brown. You, I knew you want to get there, but I think Give it, me it, Hollywood Brown. Strip, strip the offensive thing away. I would love this. We got to get a corner, man. We got to get a corner next to Denzel, and we got to get another defensive tackle. Listen. Is this a Cleveland Browns pot or a Baker Mayfield pot? 
Well, you said it. You you said any player. So I, well, I think there's a big need at corner and defensive line. I can't so. wait to see it Oliver play fullback in the NFL. So, you seen that guy run routes? You see that video of him in, in t-shirt and gym shorts running oh. routes, catching the ball and stuff? Oh, I've seen him do the footwork drills. Stuff. Yeah, he's on. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> maybe maybe he and uh, and Njoku can do some two tight end stuff. That'd be fun, folks. If you tuned in, it's dinner time on a Wednesday night on Twitch TV slash the Draft Network. Thanks for checking it out. We appreciate you guys tuning in with us. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday on iTunes, bless them. We appreciate you as well. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast and get those notifications as soon as these things push. Subscribe to twitch.tv slash the Draft Network so you get the notifications on your phone when we go live here, and then you can interact with us and ask us questions during the show. Kyle Krabs, Zach Ryan, the tape, signing off with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Thanks, as always. We'll be back tomorrow for the Lamar Jackson pod to end this series. Thanks for listening to Drafty. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.